0: This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. Well, good morning. Oh, that's fun. Uh, As Steve, uh, as Steve mentioned, my name is Seth. Though I would never uh, go by my full title, uh, middle school director uh, or director of middle school ministries. I'm afraid of that title. Director is way too serious. So if you look on my door in my office, it actually says middle school guy, and we'll keep it at that. That's how I sign my emails too, and so unless it's a really serious one, you know it's a serious email if I sign it just Seth, middle school director or whatever. So anyway, that all being said, um, if you get to know me at all, which I'd love to get to know all of you, though I don't know how realistic that is, Uh, if you do get to know me at all, it's really quickly that you will find out that I can be a pretty anxious person. I'm trying to move towards describing myself as anxious as opposed to a worrier uh, because I directly, like, if I get up here and say, like, I'm a worrier, it's like getting up here and, like, being like, I'm a liar, I'm a gossip, and it's not really something I'm supposed to say. So sometimes I get anxious about things. Um, Something that really makes me anxious is not knowing what I'm supposed to do. Like, the thought of going somewhere and getting there and not knowing what to do and doing the wrong thing or being late. A couple examples. Um, I had my... I, I This week will be one year that I have been working here at the church. And so, um, one year that... Uh, thank you. Uh, so, uh, one year that I have been in the office at the church. My one year of actually starting at the church has already happen but being in the office will be on the 18th will be one year but before that um, I had an interview which is usually what happens when you have a job and uh, or looking for a job and and I knew that I was going to have it here at this campus and I had never been here before I'm from a town called Cottage Grove Oregon which is down south on I-5 about two hours and just south of Eugene and uh The thought of coming here, being like, oh, I should see what it's like because I've never been there. What if I get lost? What door am I supposed to go in? And my wife had a a flight she had to go to. And so I dropped her off at the airport and then drove here from the airport just to swing by and get a look of the campus a week before my interview. And I looked at the building and I was like, well, I'm really glad I came here to find out where I'm supposed to go because it was some office building. And I, it's, it's in the offices. But I would have never known. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. My anxiety has paid off on this one. And, um, and so then I emailed, where do I go exactly? Go in this store. Oh, great. Thank you. And so uh, I was really anxious about that. Um, and then my first day of work actually here at the church was at camp. My first day, I, I show up to camp. And I was very anxious because um, it was my first day. I had met a couple people. Um, But I didn't really know any of the people um, or any of the students that were going to be at camp. And I get to camp after my GPS wasn't working and I went up the wrong side of the mountain. And I get to camp and uh, I'm about a half an hour before anybody else gets there from our church. And so I'm just wandering around looking for somebody that looks like I'm supposed to be with them. I don't really, I don't really know who I'm looking for. And I'm, I'm walking around, and suddenly coming down the hill is a girl wearing a shirt that has the logo for a Star Wars podcast that the adult ministry used to do called A New Hope Podcast. And it was Carly Riley is coming down the hill. I'm like, oh, she, I, I recognize that from the Facebook page. She's from Sunset. So I walk up to her, I'm like, Hey, are you from Sunset? Yeah, I'm from Sunset. Oh, thank goodness. Somebody to tell me where to go and somebody to tell me what to do. Because I was just lost. And I had no idea what it was that was expected of me at that point. And that her showing up to have somebody to follow who had been there before was a relief to me. And that's always a relief when I can go along with somebody who has done something before. And usually it's like those small things. I'm a little anxious about something, and then eventually, I know, oh, it will work out. Worst case scenario, I'll be uncomfortable, and then everything will be okay. This, a couple months ago, I experienced, I believe, I hope, the worst case scenario of my uh, not knowing what to do ever. Um, I really hope that this is the worst it gets. If it gets worse than this, I'm in trouble. Uh, But um, it went like this. It started on Monday, Thursday. I was my wife was eight, uh, almost. Well, it was pretty much nine months pregnant at the time, and it was Monday Thursday service, and we she was due on Easter, and so we were like, oh, we don't know when we'll not be around, so let's try to go to as many of these services as we can through the week, and and I remember, Kayla was really distraught because uh, that day we had gone to the doctor, and the doctor had told us, you're not having this baby anytime soon. Uh, you're at least after Easter until this baby shows up. And so we're like, oh, man, because our other two kids were late. Uh, Our first was one week late, and then our second was two weeks late, and he was 10 pounds. And so Kayla was not excited for this. And so she uh, was—so we go to church, and and we're here, and I can't remember. I think his name was Steve. I'm sorry if I've forgotten your name. But they were doing foot washings, and the guy who was washing— don't take it personally if I forgot your name. A lot happened to me in the next 12 hours, okay? But, uh, <laughs> but I remember standing uh, or sitting down, and he's washing my feet, and he's like, what can I pray for you uh, for? And i like, oh, can you pray? My wife is pregnant, and she re- we really don't, I really don't want her to have to wait to have this baby. I want her to be able to, uh, I want this baby to come so that we, she can not have to worry about this and be uncomfortable and, and just get through it. And he's like, yeah, and he prayed for me as he washed my feet, and it was great. And we, we are walking out, and Kayla's talking to some people about how it is to be pregnant, and, oh, yeah, baby's not going to come for a while. Oh, that's too bad. And we get, we, you can see where this is going. And, uh, <laughs> and so we go out to, the, we, we get out to the car, and it's at that point probably about 9 o'clock. It's about 9 o'clock because we stayed and talked with people. And we're driving over twenty-six. Um, and she looks at me and she says, I think I'm having contractions. I think I've been having contractions the entire service. I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's track them. And so we're counting them, and like, these are pretty close together already. Like, we should probably call the midwife because the plan was we were going to go to this birthing center where they had a nice suite. She would be in this uh, jacuzzi tub and on this nice bed and all this. And again, you can see where this is going. These things are not going to happen. Uh, (laughs) But we go there, and... I mean, we go to our house, and she keeps getting further and further along, and we're calling the midwife and we're saying, so uh, we think this baby is probably coming pretty soon. Uh, can, we, can we go to the birthing center? No, not yet, not yet. you got to make sure you're far enough along. And we're hearing all these requirements we don't remember hearing before. Like, you got to get to five centimeters, and then we'll let you in. Then you can go to make sure this is really happening. And so okay, okay, that's me on the phone, okay, okay, and Kayla's like, I gotta go now, we gotta go, and I cleared this with her, I asked her, I was like, I can tell this story, right, she said yes, so don't worry, I'm not in trouble from her, Uh, and it goes along, and finally, the midwife on the phone, the boss, she says, okay, we'll send one of the students over to your house, and uh, she will check the dilation and everything, and so like, okay, great, so she gets there, and her name is Kara, and I remember she walks in the door, and I look at her, and I say, oh, thank goodness you're here. I don't have to do anything the rest of the night. (laughs) Now, remember those words, uh, because they will be important. Uh, So, she's there, and everything's going. Some more calls. No, not yet. She's this far. No, not yet. She's at five. Can she come? Yes. So, Kara, she she gathers her stuff up. She says, I'm going to go unlock the birthing center, I'm gonna drive there. You guys be right behind me, okay? No problem. So we got our bags. Kayla's dressed. She's starting to walk out. Kara's gone. I'm taking bags out the door, and Kayla's water breaks in our kitchen. And again, our other births. This is not how it happened. But so we're like, I'm like, oh, okay. And she would make sure I want to throw this one in. My response to her saying my water broke is I threw a towel on the ground. Uh, (laughs) That was not me. All right, (laughs) I threw a towel on the ground. Uh, between her legs and she's like what are you doing that I've got to go to the bath. I'm gonna go to the bathroom and I'm like oh okay and so I'm gonna take these bags down and I'll be right back up to help you downstairs and so I take the bags downstairs I come back upstairs and I poke my head in the bathroom and she is the most clenched I've ever seen a human being and she's just like I can't move I can't move the baby is coming now and I'm like well, don't push. And, and, and she says, I, I'm not pushing. My body is doing this. And I'm like, okay, all right. So we call the doctor and they, and they say, you got to get her to the car. You got to get her to the birthing center. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I look at her and she'd want me to make sure to say this part too. In my most stern voice, I say, Kayla, we got to get you to the car. And she's, and she says, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> to which I'm like, okay, all right. I'm I'm not the smartest, but I'm not stupid enough to argue with her at this point. And so so she she is she's there and I'm like, okay, fine. And so at this point her screaming is so loud, like I'm not really hearing what I'm still on speakerphone with the doctor. I don't really remember anything they say from this point on. But she is She's yelling and she's yelling. And I'm like, okay, well, if we're having the baby here, Kayla, you got to get off the toilet so I can catch the baby. And so she says, okay. And this is where we switch. At this point, Kayla is the one saying, this baby is coming now. And I'm the one who's thinking, you know, our last kid got caught on in her pelvis. And so, and it was a couple hours. I'm sure we're fine. She, she stands up from the toilet and I can see Fern, our, our baby's head, this far out already. And to which I switch and go, okay, we're, we're having this baby now. And Kayla goes to, we can't have this baby here. This, I've paid for this suite. I want the tub. This is not how it's supposed to happen. And I look at her and I say, Kayla, I'm sorry. I know people didn't listen to you the way you want to be listened to, but like it or not, this is happening right now. And she says, okay. And so she's off of the toilet and she's just squatting. Now you'll see a picture in a minute where she's in a bathtub. The baby did not happen in the bathtub, but she is just squatting. And so I am down here and I had, and um, we're in our bathroom. We live in a, on the third floor of a three bedroom, two bath apartment. And nobody checked on us the entire time she gave birth. You could murder somebody at these apartments and no one would know. And so she's so I'm in the bathroom, There's like, this. my feet are out of the bathroom on the carpet, and, there, and I see that the baby is coming, and I put my hands up, and it's literally, like, two pushes, and then she slides into my arms, and I catch her, and, and it's like, oh, gosh, and then so I'm, like, looking, her, I'm like, please breathe, please breathe, and she breathes, I'm like, oh, good, and then I notice, I'm like, you're not connected to your mom at all, like, there's supposed to be a cord here. And, uh, and she had ripped. The cord had ripped, which I also didn't know that could happen. And so, um, but because of that, the placenta was just free bleeding out of Kayla. And so there was blood everywhere. It was like crazy. And so literally the entire floor of the bathroom is covered in blood. I'm sorry if this isn't for you. I'm, we're, trust me, there's a point. We're getting there. Uh, but, we are, but literally the entire floor is covered in blood. And, but I'm holding this baby and I, and she's breathing and I'm looking at Kayla and she's not in pain. She's like, I could, I don't know how I could tell, but I could tell like, even though there was blood, everything's okay. And I'm looking at her and we look at each other and we laugh. We just start laughing and because it's like, what else are you going to do at this point? And so, so we're laughing. So Kayla gets in the tub because she's so bleeding. And this one I can re- hear the doctors again. What happened? What happened? <laughs> the baby's here. <laughs> I did your job. Is what. It, uh, <laughs> and so, um, so Kayla gets in the tub and we hand, and I hand her fern and my mom and my sister-in-law are on the way, and everyone's a saint at this point and takes care of us in a real great way. The doctors get there, but before anyone can get there, I have a chance to take this picture. I take this picture of, uh, of us in our bathroom, and so, uh, oh, thank you. So, if you look real close on my face, you can see there's some blood, uh, and, uh, Because like I mentioned, there's everywhere. I'm wearing a red shirt and I had black athletic shorts on. And luckily, so I'm like, I have no idea how much blood is all over me until like later. And it was a lot. So anyway, I'll spare you those pictures. Now, I know this isn't the picture you want to see. There's this picture is the one you actually want to see. And so there you go. All right. So um, all that being said, to get back to this point, I had had this person show up in my life who knew what was going on. They, and when they showed up, I felt relief because I knew, okay, this person, they've done this before. I, I'm, even though this is like a scary thing, not something I like to do, I can feel good about going through it with this person who has done this before. But then they left, and then I was stuck by myself. And that was a scary thing. And in our lives, we can feel that way about what we're going through. Because we all go through troubles. Like, I right now, if I wanted to write out, like, these are my troubles in life, I could, ha- I could make a list. It's not one thing. Like, we're all going through stuff. Bad things. Hard things. And sometimes we just want somebody to tell us, like, I've been through that. I know what it's like. And you will get through it. And I want to let you know that if you believe... That Jesus is who he says he is. And you've given your life to him. You have that. I want to let you know that that is the hope and the peace that we find in Jesus Christ. And my favorite passage, a passage that's been with me this whole year, is John 16, 33. And it says this. Make sure I read the same translation as you. Oh, I got it. Okay. I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And this passage has meant a lot to me uh, this last year because like, I've gone through things that I never thought I would go through before. Um, like, it, like my transition from my last place to here wasn't the smoothest. And it was scary at times. Uh, but this verse has helped me hold on Uh, through that. And I want want you to be able to feel that way about uh, this verse uh, as well. I want this verse to bring you that peace because that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus says here, he says, I've told you these things so that you will have peace. Now when he says these things, this is the end of Jesus' ministry and he's talking to the disciples. Like literally the end of Jesus' ministry. This is the last thing he says before he prays and then he gets arrested and then that stuff happens. right, so that's how close we are. Jesus is saying, like, all of this, everything I've told you, for this reason, so that you can have peace in me. You can have, that through me, you can have peace. And that's the peace that we can have if we truly believe in Jesus. But why? Because he's overcome the world. Jesus took everything the world had, even death, and he beat it. And if we believe, we share in that too. We share in the resurrection of Jesus. And if everything else in the world, the worst thing that the world can do is kill you, and if Jesus can come through that and say, I'm all right, and you will be too, everything else just kind of falls to the side. Now, that's easy to say. When you're in struggles, though, we forget that. And we feel bad, and we hurt, and we have all these things. Which leads me to my next point being that Jesus is so good because he doesn't just say these things, but it's true, and he understands our pain. Jesus understands what you're going through. Hebrews four fifteen says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to em- empathize, I'm sorry, empathize uh, with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus knows what it's like for us. And that can be hard to think about sometimes and to remember. But the the things, the struggles that I have, Jesus was tempted by those same things. Jesus had those feelings when he was here. And I want us to look at some of Jesus's troubles. I want us to take a look and, and realize just how human Jesus was. And how, you know, people will tell us, like, you know, if you're I get so mad at people who misuse scripture in these ways and try to convince people that if you're doing, if something bad's happening to you, it's automatically because you did something. You're sick because you don't have enough faith and these type of things. And it's like, Jesus tells us that bad things are going to happen and bad things happened to Jesus. If that's not enough for us to see that that's not true, like, I don't know. Like, so... If you have some kind of shame that somebody's put on you from that, like, I want you to be free of that. I want you to know that Jesus is very, very clear here. He says, there's going to be bad stuff that happens. Don't expect everything to be perfect. It's a a wonder people follow Jesus at all sometimes with some of the stuff he said. But they did. Jesus says, you're going to have trouble. But it's going to be okay. But So here are some of the troubles that Jesus had. Now, I don't know if Jesus really would have considered possessions a problem for him. But for me, uh, if I was in Jesus' situation, it would have been a problem. Uh, in, in Luke 9, um, Luke nine fifty eight, 58, um, it says, uh, Jesus is talking to a guy about what it costs to follow him. And Jesus replies, foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus didn't have a house. Like, Jesus didn't own a home. Jesus, like, went from place to place and stayed with people. And for me, that sounds like a living nightmare. Like, I like people. I like going to visit. But I like to know that I have a place to go back to. I like to know that I have a place to call my own. And if I was there in that situation, that would be trouble for me. I would be anxious about that. I would be worried about those things. And maybe worrying about possessions, worrying about having enough money to get by isn't a problem for you. I, I hope it isn't. Like like I said, like we had a baby. And so like money sometimes it's like, oh, we're going to have enough for this. And so uh, maybe that's not where you are. Maybe your possessions is the other way. Maybe it's Needing and wanting the newest thing and having that ability or possession to become an idol. Jesus understands these things. Jesus was tempted by these things. Everything we went through, Jesus has been there. Now, as much as, like, I don't know if that was really a trouble for Jesus, something I do know was a trouble for Jesus was his relationships uh, with people. Um, I was thinking about this earlier, and I have a lot of different, like, names for myself or relationship types. Like, for example, like, I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm a friend. I'm a coworker, I'm a youth leader. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. And then these ones are new. I'm a friend's dad. I'm Charlie's dad a lot nowadays. I'm a friend's husband. So I'm Kayla's husband. These things are new for me. Well, that's not that new. I've been doing that for a while. But like eight years. But so, but, um, but, these are a, a bunch of different relationships. And Jesus would have had a bunch of different types of relationships with people. Um, you know, like Jesus had his close friends. He had the disciples. And, you know, we know for a fact the big one, the big betrayal that Jesus had from when one of his friends, uh, Judas, betrayed him and turned him in, which led to his death. Now, I thankfully have not had a stab in the back betrayal like Jesus uh, experienced there and I'm very thankful for that. But something I can identify with and I know Jesus can identify with me and is that like my friends have let me down and I have let my friends down also uh, from time to time. And this you know I think is a lot more normal. It isn't just friends you know, maybe it's your kids or maybe it's your coworkers, or whatever relationship it is that you have and maybe you're having trouble with. It's Being let down. The story that I want us to look at for that is uh, in Matthew, is Matthew twenty six, verses thirty six through forty six. It says this: Then Jesus uh, went with his disciples uh, to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, "Sit here while I go over there and pray." He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, "'My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. "'Stay here and keep watch for me.'" Going a little further, he fell uh, with his face to the ground and prayed, "'My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, "'yet not as I will, but as you will.'" And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. "'Could you not keep watch with me for one hour?' he asked Peter. "'Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation.'" The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for the cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he said, I mean, when he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Have you, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus is at his most broken. Jesus is at his most desperate. The time he needs help, the time he needs his friends to be with him the most, and they fall asleep. Now that's something I can identify with. I fall asleep. Because usually that's those kind of hurts, what they look like, what they start like. It's not like they actively worked against Jesus here or even said anything stupid, which they also did a lot. And thankfully, it's not my words recorded for all eternity dealing with Jesus because they'd be just as bad, if not worse. And, but, they're, but they're asleep. And sometimes that's what it feels like. Sometimes we look to our friends and we're like, I was hurting I was the most broken I've ever been. And all I needed was for you to be there for me. And you were sleeping. You were sleeping on our friendship. And when those things happen, we feel really alone. And if that's what you're going through right now, I want you to know that you are not alone. Jesus knows. Jesus is there. The trouble of the world has been experienced by him. And he wants you to know that he has overcome that. So maybe it's not your friends. Maybe you got good friends or friends that get plenty of sleep, get eight hours. Because they're tired. I mean, it's been a long day for these guys, if we're going to be fair. It's been a long day. But maybe it's not not your friends. Maybe it's your family. Maybe you have trouble with your family. Again, I'm truly blessed with my family, both my side and my wife's side. They're good. We have good relationships with them. But that doesn't mean that we don't have arguments. We don't have disagreements. There, I know there are times where my mom and I have talked about things, and she has been disappointed in what I have said. And I, I mean, I would never tell her this to her face, except for I'm doing it right now. It goes both ways, Mom, sometimes. I mean, but uh, But we all have those things. We have times where our families, you know, it doesn't work out, and we, we think about Jesus we're like as this perfect person, and we're like, well, of course his family's going to get along with him. Jesus is going to get along with his family, but he, they didn't. They did not get along uh, with each other. Uh, John seven verse five says, "For even his own brothers did not believe him, and if they don't believe Jesus, then when they're watching him going around it is not going to be a good thing. The things Jesus are, is saying about himself and his teaching and the trouble he's causing everywhere, they're back with mom. She's worried about you, Jesus. You're causing her to be stressed out. Just come home, Jesus. And in fact, they want Jesus to come home. And we look in, in Mark uh, 3, verse 31 through 34. And then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And that would hurt. If I was Jesus' brother, if I was Jesus' mom, and he says, Well, who is my mom and my brother? and he doesn't say me, that would hurt. I wouldn't understand, but that doesn't change the fact that I do not doubt for a second that this hurt these people. And Jesus, he knew what it was like. He knew what it was like to be hurt. He knew what it was like to have rough patches with people. And so if that's what you're going through right now, Jesus is there with you, and he is whispering to you, and he is saying, take heart, Because even this, I have overcome. Be at peace in me. Because unlike every other kind of peace that comes in the world, the kind of peace that comes from Jesus is one, eternal, and two, proven. Jesus has proven his power over the world through his resurrection. And so... Like, this is just like scratching the surface of what Jesus would have gone through, obviously. He had a whole life. Um, a lot of different things that Jesus had. You know, we, I mean, like, there are people who are trying to kill Jesus. That's another thing, like a big one. Again, I can't identify with that, at least not to my knowledge. And so, um, if you guys are trying to kill me, you're doing an awful job. Uh, it's not, I don't think it'd be that hard. Uh, so, um, but this is just the beginning of what Jesus went through. So if I didn't mention what you're going through right now, I want you to to know and to seek in scriptures a story where you can say, here it is. Jesus knows what I'm going through. Because he does. And you are not alone. And not only does Jesus know what you're going through, he's beaten it. But I think back on that April night, early morning, a lot, where Fern is born. And I don't know why I was able to do the things that I did. It doesn't make sense. If you tell me at the beginning of that day, you're going to catch a baby today, I'm going to say, I'm going to sleep through today. I don't think so. But in that time, in that moment, Jesus was there. And he was with me. And he was whispering. And he was saying, through this, I have overcome. Through this, I have been through. And it will be okay because even if, God forbid, something awful happens and you die or your kid dies or whatever it is, these awful things we don't want to think about, no matter what happens, remember, I have overcome death. And that is what he's whispering to you too. No matter what the trouble, no matter what the struggle, Jesus is with you. And he is whispering in your ear, don't give up, take heart, be encouraged, and know that I am God and I have overcome the world. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your words and for the fact that you are a a great high priest who has lived a life that we can look to for examples and we can look to and find peace. God, I just thank you so much for the fact that we can know that you that you love us and you care for us and are there with us through all of things. Let's pray for this congregation and for peace to flow from your word. Let's pray this in your son's name, Amen.